0: On today's Stuck In, bust out a fresh box of tissues because there are going to be plenty of waterworks today. Not only does Jared actually get sentimental and show emotion for the first time in his stoppage time winner, but he also has a hurricane level of teardrops on our guitar in the Road to Doha Ha segment. And by the way, if you have any leftover, I'll take them since I'm still crying from yet another garbage performance from the U.S. Speaking of which... We saved it for the end, so you'll have to plow through a pretty comprehensive recap of the rest of the window to get to it. Eat your veggies before the main course, folks. We've got more ground to cover than an elderly Belgian center back chasing down Killian Mbappe. So, without further ado, let's get stuck in.
1: What
0: he's looking for? Freed from desire. Mind senses purified. Freed from desire. Mind senses purified. Freed from desire. Mind senses purified. Freed from desire. Na 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 na, na, na. Welcome to Stuck In, a Farmers League Soccer podcast. Today is Monday, October eleventh, twenty twenty one, and as we all know, two DeYoungs do not make a right, but apparently, two Hernandezes do. Uh, France starting two Hernandezes in both of their starting lineups in their semifinal and final UEFA Nations League uh, ties are your twenty twenty one. UEFA Nations League champions after a wild and crazy semifinals and finals. Uh, we're going to cover that outstanding semifinal that we missed and, of course, uh, the final that France won. Uh, and then, of course, all the World Cup qualifying action in our Road to Dohaha, uh segment. But first, Jared, uh, just like a quick word in general on the tournament that we all forgot uh, about but are very super grateful that happened in the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, right. If, if And I think we talked about this a little bit even with the Spain-Italy game where You know, it's not exactly a friendly, but it's kind of a friendly, so it's a little bit more open, but they're still trying to win, and you get a lot of that. And I think that if you look at these four matches, including the one we talked about the other day, Spain-Italy, I mean, you have at least three goals scored in every match. Uh, The second semifinal, we get a 3-2. France coming from two goals down after uh, Lloris did not not cover himself in glory in the first half, uh, but obviously puts it together, you know, stays strong after that. France gets back in the game and and obviously wins it at the end. But I think you just in general saw – a bunch of really entertaining, fun games. And and I think that's why the Nation League exists. And it's, you know, money aside, right, if we actually take the cynicism out of it. But I think part of the, the thought was that you could have these teams play each other in games that were a little bit more entertaining and less cagey. And, and I think we, we saw evidence of that here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and again, uh, for, if you re listen to the last episode, obviously we covered the first semifinal, as that was on the day, uh, and uh, we missed the Belgium-France uh, second semifinal in the final. So let's, let's start from, from there. Uh, again, the tournament that we forgot, but so happy that happened, uh, because these three games were just absolute bananas. Uh, first, let's go with, and you kind of touched on it, uh, you know, the France versus Belgium in the other semifinal. Uh, my big takeaway from this, just like the one lasting uh, image and memory, of it was, was Toby Alderweireld, uh, not on the hundred year, year old, you know, back line, uh, but still pretty old. Uh, But just like Toby Alderweireld, just like desperately looking back to see if anyone's covering him as Mbappe, just completely blows by him. Uh, There was like this one sequence where like Mbappe just literally just touched it forward and ran by him. And Alderweireld is like shitting. He's looking back. He's like, ah, I'm fucked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really, what can you do? Right. Alderville in his best day, was not the most flea-foot center back that has ever existed, and he is certainly not at his best anymore. It's a mismatch, and and, you know, you can try and point fingers or whatever. I don't know if it's a tactical breakdown. I don't know if it's an individual breakdown. Yeah, you Look, we can spend hours probably just dissecting all that stuff. But the bottom line is you'd put yourself in bad positions and you're going to pay. And, you know, you'd like to think that if you're up two goals or even up one goal in a, in a game against France, that you, you can't let your center backs be on an island against Mbappe, against Benzema, against Griezmann even. Like, you can't do that. You have to – have a better, like, you know, shell of team defending and make sure that everything stays in front of you and that you have cover and and all these things. And Belgium did not do that in the
0: second half of this match. Well, right, exactly. I mean, I think that's just the nature of their approach. You know, they play that 3-4-3 or the 3-4-2-1, whatever you want to call it. Um, And that just naturally lends itself as your wing backs go forward uh, to be super narrow and just to kind of be left in these one-on-one situations. Like that. And, and yes, uh, a geriatric Alderweireld against like <laughs> the fastest player in the world, pretty much, uh, you know, doesn't stand a chance. Um, but again, yeah, in this one, Belgium, too. France three Uh, Carrasco getting on the scoreboard first Uh, Lukaku three minutes later, right. They're up two nil. And I mean, basically Jared, you thought this was the French implosion. Like the implosion was imminent. Uh, Lloris is beaten, you know, on the near post twice in as many minutes, pretty much on those two goals. Uh, And and you're like, okay, the bottle job is happening. We are witnessing the French just completely collapse. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess fair play to them. Not only do they kind of like, you know, rebound uh, in the game, but, but, but they, they end up, uh winning it and this was by the way jared this is the first time france has ever overcome a two goal deficit in international competition ever it kind of makes sense i mean
1: how many times are france down two nothing in matches i would think if you know if you look at i guess you know the, the chances are at some point it probably should happen but um hey look you know I think it also again I think that the tournament probably lends itself to that a little bit right you know it's not the like you talked about the tactical nature of Belgium but I think if this is the World Cup final not the Nations League final I think after about 60 minutes the idea of you know sending your wing backs bombing forward and leaving your center backs exposed is probably not as likely to happen Um, but I guess in this game they, they decided it was and you know Benzema gets that first goal and uh, really nice finish. I mean, he's just surrounded by four or five defenders and still finds a way to sneak it through everybody. And then I think once that first goal went in, you kind of got the sense that France was going to get another. You never felt like it was going to end two one. Uh, they
0: get the penalty, legit call, no problem there.
1: And yeah. then, and of, of course, course, when Mbappe
0: that, steps up, I'm like, oh man, that this was is like literally. This is his <laughs> French international career literally hanging in the balance. It was. It was.
1: I mean. It was it was I was surprised, right? Because obviously, as, as everyone will remember, he was the one guy, right? In That's in that shootout against Switzerland who missed, right? Nine guys score, he misses. And of yeah. course, Benzema is so lethal from the spot, obviously takes him for France off and takes him for Madrid as well. So I was a little surprised when Mbappe stepped up. But I mean, you can't hit a penalty better
0: than that, right? Yeah, fair play. Uh, And again, yeah, France gets back into it. And again, the thing that, like, shocked me the most about that stat about France's, like, first ever comeback from two goals down was that it it was basically validation for the old adage that the real national flag of France is the white flag. Uh, you know, they go down, you know, by two goals and boom, they just kind of wave it and, and give up on the spot. But yeah, again, fair play to them. Uh, and of course, uh, not only do they get those two goals on Mbappe's, uh, you know, penalty to even it up to two, but then even more chaos ensues. Uh, Belgium get what they thought was the winner uh, towards the end of the game, it's chalked off based on VAR, and then we pretty much go in the opposite direction and France get their winner. And, of course, by the way, this was when my ESPN Plus feed goes down, so I didn't see any of this shit. (laughs) So all I saw was the final scoreline. But apparently that's what happened, Jared.
1: No, yeah, that is what happened. And, again, like, it's a 90th-minute goal, as we said, Theo Hernandez. A great strike, nice curling ball, uh, you know, off a clearance. That was just not – obviously not good enough. Um, And it was a really cool moment. And, again, you know, for a Friendly, they seem to celebrate pretty damn hard after winning the game at the 90th minute, which – Again, for all the cynicism about money, I think kind of justifies the the existence of it. Right, uh, the players do want to win this, and um, and I think that was very obvious not only in this game, but obviously as we move on uh, into the you know in the final as well.
0: Oh, yeah. If your point was that, like, you know, people are perceiving the Nations League as like this tournament that doesn't matter. The fans don't care. The players are apathetic about it. Like, right. I think that's it's pretty much proven wrong. at this Right. Point. And, the, like, and
1: the fans and the fans certainly seem pretty excited about it. Obviously, the ones who there are there care enough to go there. But I mean, you know, again, there wasn't any uh, any. Again, look, we've
0: seen teams win
1: friendlies in the 90th minute. And this is not that. And that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and real quick, Jared, what is the incentive, by the way? Like, do they gain anything in like coefficient rankings, or is it just like a money purse? Like, I, I know the lower teams, you know, in the other leagues, you know, they're they're fighting for promotion and they like have reasons to play in Nations League. But like, once you get to this stage, what is it uh, for these top teams?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we'll we'll probably get into this more as World Cup qualifying wraps. This is uh this is also a an opportunity for a team uh, to get into to a playoff for the World Cup if they manage to fuck up. In World Cup qualifying. So uh, I believe uh, France, certainly, I think Spain as well, I think the top couple teams, like if they were to not qualify from the World Cup or for the World Cup through, like, let's say France finished third in their group in World Cup qualifying. Oh, okay. Yeah. I believe they would still get into the playoff uh, in the second round um, along with some of those second place teams. Uh, as well, by virtue of finishing at the top of a of a group, gotcha. Or whatever. So yeah, it uh, provides so like an insurance tangible, path. right, it, right. It is, and, and this is why a lot of these things have been big, bigger even in like the groups B and C for these teams to win their nations league groups. It's not only promotion to a group A or a group B. It is also giving you an extra out that if you fuck up your World Cup qualifying, you there is still a a, a second. A second bite at the apple and i think that's how scotland got in the euros i believe they they did not qualify through their group but they had won their their nations league group in the first iteration and so they got into a playoff for that and they and they got in the euros that way so right uh, right. and and that's what i was gonna say so like
0: it's it's more for like those types of teams that really do they have the big incentive to win their nations league groups and all that
1: mostly or if you have a situation um again like the netherlands right in 2018 where they they missed the world cup they did not qualify and if the nations league existed back then they might have been able to get in the playoff a different way and and get through and and and, you know qualify and save themselves the embarrassment of not so it is an interesting situation to see you know again it might not factor in at all obviously with france and spain it most likely won't uh really for italy or belgium either because again i think these are all teams that are going to qualify on their own merits but just in case they didn't
0: it'd be a nice little little insurance policy Okay. cool. Great clarification there. Uh, So, right. So moving on, uh, obviously, France and Spain in the final. And and Jared, actually, can we say a quick word before we gloss over it? The third place game does indeed happen. Uh, Italy two, Belgium one. Uh, It it looks like. Well, I, I don't know. I wanted to ask you, like, is this you know, is this the end for Belgium? You know what I mean? Like, we've talked so much about this, this golden generation. We've talked so much about them having all these opportunities and being number one in the world and just coming up short for, like, reasons X, Y, and Z over and over. And are, are we just kind of like, is this it for them?
1: Maybe. I mean, I, I, we talked a little bit about this before, and we said this might be their last chance. Um, it's, it's, it has to be half of the end of an era. And what I mean by that is if they go into the World Cup next year, and Vertonghen is on the field. And uh, God, I, like, I don't even know who else. Yeah, I, yeah I don't Vertonghen, Alderweireld. I mean, if male, these guys are all, if they want ridiculous. to go with these center backs, I think it's done. Um, I, obviously, you can get away with Courtois. You can get it like De Bruyne will be fine. You'll still have Lukaku. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see over the next year. Which of these young Belgian guys that are, you know, they're not playing at the top levels yet? They might still be in Belgium. They might be in the Netherlands. They might, you know, right or lower tier teams. Which of them are really going to take that step forwards? Is Telemans going to continue to grow? Is Castagna going to grow? Is um, this Vanekin kid who's scoring in the Champions League now, right? Is he going to be the next guy? Right? Is um, Den Donker going to be like, you know? So there's they have enough guys there that are that are on the verge, and if those guys hit. Right. If those guys become a thing, then you can add them to De Bruyne and Carrasco and Lukaku and, uh, you know, young Hazard. Maybe even I mean, is old Hazard, even going to survive another one, I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> you can add them to those. That's still that that part of the team that is still young enough. And you can you can probably get one more really good tournament out of it. But I don't think they can do it as as what we think of as being the classic Belgian setup. There there. There need to be four or five changes, I would say, uh, if they want to be uh,
0: really you know, serious contenders next year. Well, and that's right. That's the main point. They need to make an adjustment. We're getting to the point now where, and and, I don't know, for some reason, I'm thinking of like the U S women's team. Like we talked about like all those players are two years older again. And like, it might, you might not be able to run it back. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, and Roberto Martinez, I, I still think he's one of the best managers in the world. Uh, he's even taken, you know, this job as, like, the Belgian, you know, technical director of football for the whole country. So he's, like, invested in it. But, like, for some reason, I don't know, he just keeps trying to put a square peg in a round hole with some of these these players. So, yeah, we'll stay tuned. But I'm with you, dude. If they line up with 100 year olds, you know, back line uh, in, in Qatar next year, you just have to wonder, like, what the fuck is going on there? But anyways, um, fair play to Italy, who still feel hard done by from the semifinal. Uh, they do finish third place in the Nations League. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, the final uh, Spain won France. To uh in yet another uh france comeback and yet another moment where you think they might collapse Uh, not only do they rebound and keep themselves in the game but they end up winning it ozi or whatever i'm literally like choking as i say his name (laughs) uh scores in the 64th minute but then benzema just two minutes later and then none other than mbappe for the winner so go ahead jared what'd you see on this in this final here yeah, I mean, good, again, a
1: good game. And we talked a lot about the validation of Spain in the semifinal and, and their, their progress. And I think this go. I mean, they didn't win, but I think it's, we can still say that. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway, obviously, is, again, like we go through this all the time, right? Offside. Like, what the fuck is offside? Because... Oh,
0: no one knows. I, and, I, and I think
1: Busquets said it very, very nicely after the game he goes. You know, Mbappe's offside on the last ball, but they consider him onside because Garcia makes an attempt to play the ball and he plays enough of it and Busquets says, again, he goes, what the hell is he supposed to do? There's a through ball going in. He can't possibly know whether Mbappe's is an inch onside or an inch offside. He makes an effort to block the ball. But I guess the, the ball stays on his foot long enough, so now it's considered a playing of the ball and not a deflection off the foot. What, like, what are we doing? You know, like, what, Why offside should be the clearest thing in the world, right? It is a black and white thing. This isn't even the handball thing where you can at least argue there's shades of gray and what constant that. How are we like, – why are we trying to make a determination between – Ticks the body part, hits the body part, is played by the body part, intentionally played by the body part. Like, Mbappe here is offside to me. And I understand that by the letter of the law, he might not be. But, like, just to any practical interpretation of the
0: game, I don't think this goal should count in reality. And, you know, it's... Well, it's because what we've done with the letter of the law, Jared, is, like, added on all these things that were supposed to, like you know, stay true to the spirit of offside and enhance the offside rule and everything. But what they've done in the end is just, like, muddied the waters. And I don't know if you're familiar with this term called mission creep. It's, like, mostly found in the military. It's the idea that, like, you have a mission or an objective or whatever, and you, like, add on this sub-objective, this sub-objective, like, A, B, C, D, all these things that are added on that are supposed to, like, you know, be in the interest of the mission but what they end up doing is just adding on piling on too many things so that you can't complete the mission right it's like it's mission creep is the term and i think it's like that's kind of what we've done like with the offside rule is just like added on all these components to the point where we've actually self-defeated the mission originally which was to like know what the fuck offside is and now we just don't know Right, and it's and it,
1: it's and again. It, it, there seems to be there's an unjust nature to it. Again, what is I don't know what Garcia is supposed to do. I, I don't know. Um, and again, because right, what does he do? Like not, back, not go like, after not it? it. Right.
0: Yeah, does he not go after it, and then he gets crucified for not going after it because he, it ended up being you know onside or whatever. It's like and it's I, a lose lose.
1: And I think it's basic enough to be able to say, look, look, if Eric Garcia t- possesses the ball, like I'm thinking of the Manchester United young boys game, right? When is it, was it Lingard that turns around and plays the pass back? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, P Fox offside, but th- that's a clear, like he's clearly passing. it. He's making a decision to pass it back. I, I don't see how we can't easily dissociate an intentional playing of the ball back and somebody trying to block out a ball or take a swing at a ball to clear it. And it, ricocheting happens to be in the wrong direction i think most rest can probably figure out the difference between those two things so i don't understand why the law doesn't reflect that and again i think spain's a little hard done by here credit to mbappe i should say whether he's offside or not he still has to pick his head up you know get around make a play on uh, you know on simone to get around him and, and slot it nicely so yeah he has work to do but again it's it's it seems a little unjust and, and i would like to see this game stay 1-1 and see what would happen uh you know in extra time or whatever
0: Yeah, fair play. Uh, But that is not the reality that we live in. Uh, And France uh, do end up winning that final two to one. Um, and yeah, I think we'll just, we'll leave it there. Congrats to them. Uh, they actually did it. They are, (laughs) they are European champions with an asterisk, uh, Uh, but anyways, so, uh, yeah, we'll leave it there for the nation's league. Um, we'll obviously pick this back up next year when it happens again, right? This is like every year now, Jared. Yeah. I I, I believe,
1: I believe it should be probably starting.
0: I don't know. Well, this is weird, right? I think it would usually start in the fall
1: after a world cup. Um, I obviously with the world cup being, Oh, I don't know. But wait, is the, yeah. yeah, Is the world cup Um, in the, (laughs) Uh, apparently, according according to this, it will be in June. Uh, they will be starting the group stage, uh, running it in June and September instead of in the fall.
0: Mm-hmm. And then we
1: will have a, uh, a Nations League. Uh, that should be June and September of 2022, of course. And the finals will be in June of 2023. And again, I guess that will provide again cover for people in Euro qualifying uh, who, you know, maybe do not get in that way. So I guess we'll have to... We'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, we will, if you are a big uh, Nations League fan,
0: you will only be missing it for about eight months of your life. Mm-hmm. We'll oh, that's news. Uh, great news. Music to my ears, Jared. Uh, Cause I'm just, yeah, I'm in love with Nations League now. Uh, well, anyways, uh, that'll wrap it up for topics. Um, we're going to move on straight to the segments. Uh, No interview today. Uh, We will see the triumphant return of interviews in a couple of episodes. Uh, But yeah, Jared, I think there's (laughs) this international window, man. Uh, Just too much good shit to talk about. Um, Anyways, uh, yes, let's start with obviously the road to Dohaha uh, with the subtitle, While My Qatar Gently Weeps, uh, because there are going to be plenty of teardrops on my Qatar today. Just a nice little uh, sneak preview to get you titillated uh, to all the traveling supporters. Um, Let's start it off as always uh, with UEFA um, with our Eurocentric podcast here. Uh, Group A uh, or actually let me just say in general um, only one match day right uh, Jared for UEFA we've had a couple confederations with two matches that have been played Um, so yeah we're just going to go group by group with UEFA with the one matches that have been played uh, up until this point and then obviously on uh, Thursday's episode We'll wrap up the other ones. Uh, Group A, Azerbaijan nil, Ireland three, and Serbia one, Luxembourg nil. Anything to mention in Group A, Jared? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, we have a, a close race. Serbia is putting the pressure on
1: Portugal. Of course, Portugal did not play in the last match day. Uh, they had their kind of their scheduled off day in their friendly against Qatar. Uh, But so Serbia has taken the lead by a point but Portugal does have the game in hand. Mm. Portugal does host Serbia November 14th and that is probably going to be for the group uh, to start. Um, And again, as you as you so deftly alluded to a moment ago, we will start with our teardrops on my Qatar in this uh, group with Mm. Azerbaijan and the Republic of Ireland have both been eliminated from World Cup uh, consideration. And uh, as a little sneak preview of Thursday's show, I would very much imagine on Thursday we'll be adding another team from this group to that list. Um, But not technically, mathematically. They're mathematically alive.
0: Luxembourg, uh, Luxembourg, of course, in third place in this group with six points. Uh, yeah, obviously they stand no chance. that It's really just <laughs> a mathematical they, thing. But we'll see. All them. they have to
1: do, all they have to do to stay alive is go and win in Portugal uh, in, uh, <laughs> tomorrow on Tuesday. As uh, so, that'll be their uh, their probably their swan song. So we'll readdress that on Thursday. But as I said, said Ireland and Azerbaijan out, and then again, that will mean that Serbia and Portugal will both at least be in the in the playoff, if not directly in the World Cup. So good on both of them.
0: Correct, and of course Luxembourg can cling on to the fact and, and maybe boast about it in the future that uh, yes, they uh, Ireland were uh, eliminated before them, uh, and well, more so a commentary on Ireland there getting knocked out before Luxembourg, uh, which is just hilarious. Uh, can't wait to hear what Barry has to say about that. Baza um, Group B, moving on. Uh, so you have uh, two games in this one as well. Uh, Greece two Georgia nil and Sweden three Kosovo nil obviously Spain in that one Uh, I guess this was their off day or whatever Um, Jared what to say about group B yeah Spain obviously a little busy and again
1: these schedules were all (laughs) fucked up ahead of time to to try and jigger it so everyone is catching up essentially on Spain and number of games played Uh, Sweden only one point back with a game in hand on Spain Uh, again Spain will host Sweden in November again the schedule makers doing a lot of really good like top two teams playing at the end of the qualifying kind of thing where these games might matter which it'll be very very good there uh Greece with the with the aforementioned win that you said is also staying alive three points behind Sweden Mm. but again we got some teardrops on my Qatar for both uh Kosovo and Georgia who again were never really in it but now have officially
0: uh kind of crossed over and will not be playing in the World Cup next year Mm, that'll do it. Uh, pour one out for Kosovo and Georgia. Uh, but yeah, no Greece. I mean, for some reason, keeping themselves in this, uh, Greece are just hilarious to me. Uh, but yeah, it's, it really looks like a, you know, two horse race between, between Spain and Sweden there. Uh, moving on to group C, uh, we had a couple results here uh, Lithuania three, Bulgaria one, Switzerland two, Northern Ireland, nil, uh, Italy, uh, just like Spain, uh, in this one, a little bit busy, a little bit, uh, preoccupied. Otherwise, uh, Jared, what to say about group C? Yeah, and again, this, again, we're
1: talking about keeping, uh, kind of keeping in the in the picture, kind of staying alive. Uh, Switzerland staying three points behind Italy with a game in hand. And you guessed it, Italy will host Switzerland in November. Again, not the last game, but the second to last game. So, again, a, a big chance for Switzerland to try and, and steal the group at the end. Uh, Lithuania, as you mentioned, gets a win over Bulgaria, which is crippling to them. But at the same time, Switzerland's win over Northern Ireland has eliminated Lithuania. There are teardrops on the Vilnius guitar as well. Uh, they are now officially eliminated despite getting their first win of the qualifying uh, uh
0: group mm, poor one out poor one out there all right uh, moving out to moving up to group d um, and by the way we're kind of blowing through these I, I mean I didn't really get a chance to watch any of these uh, my, my big thing was obviously who's getting eliminated loving this teardrops on guitar so we're we're mostly glossing over these um, but yeah Jared feel free to stop me at any point if there's you know a game that you want to honestly uh, sadly focus on. sadly
1: I don't think there was a great get world cup whether well, it's one great world cup qualifier this entire thing and we will talk more about it but there's really only one game that i think you can even look at and say hey this was great so
0: it makes it i think easy. i know which one you're you're talking about um but yeah let's let's uh harp on group d a little bit uh bosnia and herzegovina two; kazakhstan nil finland one and ukraine we are looking at uh again uh, another group where uh oh there was one other team that was kind of preoccupied here uh france still leading the group there in group d uh but yeah ukraine uh, kind of making their way up uh bosnia finland kazakhstan kind of falling off
1: yeah so i mean bosnia and finland again still have a game in hand so they can try and catch up to ukraine a little bit there uh but again france is, is very comfortable here uh they only have a couple games left to play uh, one of them's at home against Kazakhstan. And I think. I mean, if they just, even if they lose the game against Finland away, which is unlikely, just by beating, um, you know, beating Kazakhstan, they will quench the world. They'll quench the group, quench the World Cup spot, uh, pretty much. So uh, the only thing to actually say about this group really is that again, I, I think you would say these are two results where the the favorites won, and with their loss to Bosnia, Kazakhstan has some teardrops on their guitar.
0: They are eliminated from the World Cup. Mm, Poor Kazakhstan. Uh, And I don't know if you remember, I like (laughs) I made a comment a couple episodes ago watching this team. I kind of like them. They they were trying to play a little bit. Uh, So and and I also met someone from Kazakhstan in Russia at the 2018 World Cup. So uh, this one goes out to you, Dennis, our teardrops on Qatar for Kazakhstan. Um, All right, moving on to group. Uh, yet again another country preoccupied Belgium still leading the group here uh, it looks like they'll they'll pretty much coast uh, yeah. but a couple other results uh, you have Estonia two Belarus nil uh, and then the Czech Republic two Wales two by the way have we mentioned this before yet? like why did Chechia go from like the Czech Republic to Chechia back to the Czech Republic uh, yeah I don't know does anyone uh, have, just politics can, I
1: don't, yeah I think I don't even know if Chechia is still a thing or if that, they just kind of dropped that idea I, I really can't. Uh, I guess they're calling – I guess Czechia is technically considered like a short form, so I guess kind of like calling the United States of America the U.S. or the United States maybe or something like that, but I guess yeah, technically boy. the name of the country, I don't know. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, either, way, either way, they're still in second in the group tied with Wales, but Wales does have that game in hand, and uh, that game in hand uh, pretty much is a road game at Estonia, uh, which will be actually on Monday. Uh, probably as you're even listening to this, it might be either occurring or have finished, so we'll have a better idea then. As you said, Belgium uh, cannot finish worse than second. At worst, they would be in the playoff, but they're going to win this group pretty comfortably. Uh, Again, they have a home game against Estonia as well, so all they would have to do is win that. Um, Estonia and Belarus technically can still reach the playoff, though, so they are not eliminated yet. Uh, even though the um, Estonia win over Belarus was crippling to them, uh, but again, like Estonia and/or Belarus would probably have to get a win over, you know, a big boy in this group to even stay around. So it's just it's just a matter of time. Watch this space. Again, possibly by the end of the day, they will both be eliminated. But that will be a
0: uh, a, a problem for Thursday show. So no teardrops on my guitar for Group E. I guess benefiting from yeah. the fact that it's like Belgium so far ahead, and then everyone else. Like yeah, everyone else is kind ahead. of feasting on each other, right? Yeah, yeah. War of Attrition, Mario Kart reference. Insert Mario Kart reference here. Um, all right. Uh, Group F, uh, obviously, yeah, Denmark just in, in command and control. They've won yet again 4-0 against Moldova. Uh, Austria 2, Faroe Islands nil, And what I believe, Jared, is the uh, the game that you would like to discuss a little bit more in detail, uh, Israel 2, Scotland 3.
1: Yeah, that's the big one, right? Not only Not only was it one of the most important games of the window in terms of uh, qualification but it, it obviously turned out to then be one of the on the field matching the the uh, the importance of the game um but before we get into that let me just say again austria two Faroe nothing denmark four as you said moldova nothing this eliminates both the Faroe islands and moldova uh teardrops on those mm. guitars as well mm. uh, and we said you know denmark again easily coast coasting here uh, they just need pretty much uh, uh, one more win out of their last three matches to clinch the group. Still so, no goals allowed. Se- still yeah, a seven, group clean sheet. <laughs> seven games, 26-4, zero against. Uh, so they're, they're winning every game three and a half to nothing pretty much. Uh, but, yeah, Scotland-Israel, right? So these are, this is a game. Um, Scotland is up on Israel by one point for second place. Again, Austria also hanging around uh, a few points behind. Uh, really rooting for the draw here if you're Austria. And, and it's just a, a back-and-forth banger, right? Israel gets off the boot in the, fir- in the first five minutes of the game, a free kick by Zahavi, who is, uh, is probably a guy who is too good for the country he plays for. He's one of those guys, right? Uh, yeah. Really good at PSV and the Dutch League. And, and just if he was on a better team would be a good, the kind of guy who, you know, scores three goals in a year or in a World Cup. And everyone goes, oh, man, like, this guy's great. Uh, but he gets the early goal, um, again equalizes for, um, for Scotland. And then Israel comes right back on the road again. 32nd minute, 2-1, goes up at halftime. Uh, then there's some, uh, you know, shenanigans in the second half. Uh, Dykes equalizes for Scotland. Scotland gets a penalty. They don't score on the penalty. But then in the 94th minute, Scott McTominay, uh, when a draw probably would have been good enough for Scotland to feel okay, they get all three points. His first ever international goal for his team, or first country, and now Scotland has a four-point lead for second over Israel and Austria with only three matches to play. And so when we kind of we looked at that out, Scotland has to go to the Faroe Islands in this window and then also to Moldova in the next window. So they are road games, but they're eminently winnable road games. And if they can do that, get a couple. I think it's only even like four, uh, like five points in the three games. They do host Denmark. That's a little bit trickier. Um, But again, if they can just win those two games at the Faroe Islands and at Moldova, they will make it to the second round. Uh, They will advance to the playoff and they will have a chance to make the World Cup for I believe the first time since 98. I think it was yeah, the last the, time they were Jared, in the World This Cup? is
0: incredible. Like for for all that we joke about Scotland and Gordon this that and the other thing, like they're actually they've put themselves in a really good position. The Tartan Army are flying. The ladies from hell might actually make it uh, to the World Cup. This is incredible. Now as any but as any Scotland
1: fan will tell you, away at Faroe Islands tomorrow after the big win, <laughs> that kind of game that they always lose. And so, right. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. be right so obviously for their sake if you're you know if you're rooting for scotland to get in the world cup scotland fan or just want to the romantic story of it i mean that's that's the game right that's the banana peel that the second mario kart reference in a couple minutes right yeah. that's the banana peel they always slip on so this is a this will be a test for them to see if they've grown past the what we've expected to see out of them for the last 20 years and whether they can say no we are going to fucking make the world cup let's do this
0: Yeah, yeah, because you hate to say it, but, like, the question's very similar to Ole Gunnar-Solkshire is kind of like, how are they going to fuck this up? right. And And they always seem to find a way. And by (laughs) the way,
1: Israel do host both the Faroes and Moldova, like, in their last three games as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is, like, this is a situation, and they also play Austria as well. So this is a situation where if Israel gets those six points at home, which, again, you would expect them to do, that, again, puts that extra pressure. Like, Scotland has to at least win one
0: of those, if not both. So, again, um, there is a lot of pressure there. Yeah, hundred percent. They cannot afford to slip up on aforementioned uh, hyperbolic. Uh, what would you What would you call that? The banana peel. Uh, yes. Anyways, uh, yes. The, the group G. Uh, moving on. Uh, Gibraltar nil. Montenegro three. Uh, the Dutch one. Latvia nil. Uh, and Turkey drawing with Norway one one. I guess Haland didn't do Halan things in that game. I believe Holland is still injured, not playing for Norway. Norway has actually been annihilated
1: by injuries lately. Uh, mm. So in that sense, it's actually a pretty good result for them, um, you know, uh, especially on the road. Um, uh, but yeah, this is, this is a, this is still going down to the to wire, right? The Netherlands, uh, still has a two point lead in the standings over Norway. Turkey's only two points behind Norway, uh, you know, Norway from third Montenegro only one point behind. So again, three points between second and fourth, five points between first and fourth, a lot of big games coming up, um. Uh, Just quickly throw in there at the bottom of the table, Latvia has been eliminated with their loss. Uh, There are some teardrops on that guitar. Uh, I believe Gibraltar is technically still alive, believe it or not, through Nations League fuckhousery.
0: Oh, like, uh, yeah, because I was going to say, Jared, I'm looking at the, their negative 25 goal differential, no points. And like La- how is Latvia out and Gibraltar's not?
1: Yeah, so what it comes down to essentially is that uh, if enough teams that w- – like, Gibraltar is a Nations League winning group in Group D. They are the last ones. Um, so essentially – if, like, France, Spain, Italy, Belgium, like, if every country that is ahead of them essentially qualifies on their own merits, or if enough teams certainly do, they would technically grab the last playoff spot. Um, this is not going to happen. This is only a matter of time. Uh, like, with even, like, a Hungary getting enough points, or Slovenia, or, like, it, it, like, even those teams, right? Teams that are not even going to make the World Cup. So, technically, on a technicality, they are still uh, – have, have the slimmest of, of heartbeats. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it is not going to happen
0: yeah which i'm just glad on for a logistical level i actually kind of like gibraltar remember a couple years ago like watch like when they first you know got uefa status and like watching them and it was like hilarious to watch this like motley crew of players uh just put something together on the pitch and they even got that first win and blah 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 but like can you imagine like having a world cup in qatar where gibraltar is there and all the geopolitics that are like already injected into the whole thing and then Gibraltar's not allowed to be in a group with England, not allowed to be in a group with Spain, not allowed to this, that, and the other thing. And it'd be like a, just a total nightmare. And then if like Israel makes it somehow, oh my God. Yeah, I mean uh,
1: Israel Israel's the big one, right? Israel's the fucking yeah. the most drastic one because like you, you they
0: get in their group with the wrong team. And like I don't know that they can
1: do this in a World Cup tour. I don't know that you can actually keep countries apart. I don't see how you'd do it. So yeah, yeah yeah that would be certainly fascinating. But I again I don't think that's something we totally have to worry about here.
0: Yeah. And then like randomly like throw in like a, a Mormon team that can't play on Sunday or something, and you got the, the full experience. Anyways, um, all right, Group H. Moving on here, uh, right? You have Croatia three, Cyprus nil, Slovenia four, Malta nil, uh, and Russia one, Slovakia nil. Uh, again, living up to sort of just like I like. I don't know what this group is. Uh, although there is some separation <laughs> that's happening here, and I think the the cream ish is rising to the top ish.
1: Yeah, I think uh, uh, Croatia's. You know, and Russia have been tied this entire time. Uh, Russia against Slovakia would have been the one result where if Slovakia was able to get that win, it it would have changed the dynamics a little bit. Obviously it didn't happen. now at this point, again, it's all but it's all but done. Croatia and Russia are gonna finish top two. Obviously that's that's the race right there. Um and of course, Croatia hosting Russia, November 14th, last qualifier. Uh, and so when that happens, obviously we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, but again with their losses, we have a couple more tear The 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 Qatar right now is just is soaked uh, oh with all goodness. the tears. Uh, Malta and Cyprus have both now officially been eliminated with their losses, as they fight for last place in that group. And again, Slovakia and Slovenia still alive with a heartbeat, uh, but a very faint one. And and again, um, not very likely that either one of them will be
0: making the trip. Jeez, Jerry, I I don't feel you know prepared for this. Like I knew there were going to be some teardrops, but this is like this is like it a is, waterfall. I believe believe
1: in the last few days, there have been 18 teams eliminated from the World Cup, and there will be more uh, before the end of this break. So I I said before the break, this was going to be a big one. And uh, and, obviously, so far, it is not disappointed. Mm,
0: My heart breaks. Uh, My heart does not break, though, uh, for a team in the next group, Group I. And I'm assuming we'll spend a good amount of time uh, on this. But the results uh, in Group I, uh, a couple of five nils, obviously Poland five, uh, San Marino nil, England five, Andorra nil uh glad they got that game off by the way jared uh the stadium was apparently on fire
1: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah some problems uh uh on a more serious note this was actually the first full ever uh for i believe a possibly a uh, world cup qualifier or certainly for an england match i know first ever all women's officiating crew um and again apparently by all accounts I, they they handled themselves well there were i mean i don't know how many like significant calls there are going to be in an england Andorra match to be fair right this is certainly not you know the world cup final but, you know, get in the game, uh, get a full result in. Andorra playing like a 41-year-old center back uh, against Phil Foden and, and all those guys. And so, obviously, one-way traffic there. Uh, Andorra, by the way, teardrops on their guitar. They, are now mm. they lasted this long. Good on them. Uh, but I know the result you really want to talk about is Albania 1-hungry-nil. No.
0: Hey, Jared. Yeah, he, I can hear okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, let's keep going. So, you said uh, teardrops on Andorra's guitar. Um, what about San? Marino? I said yeah, the result
1: you. I said there was oh, San Marino's been out for a while. They're already out. But I said the result nah. that you really want to talk about is Albania one and Hungary nothing.
0: Mm. Oh, Jared, I am just—I was just champing at the bit to get to this one. Uh, we've kind of like alluded to this, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the pod. Obviously, looking ahead to this, after the whole debacle, the the, the racism, et cetera, uh, coming out of Pushka Stadium. Uh, what did they end up getting? The the one game stadium ban, and as you said, uh, this was going to be a huge one because this was pretty much the determining game uh, for Hungary, you know, whether they're going to make this thing or not. Uh, and as we can see in the result. Hungary, nil. Albania, one. And all I put in my notes was good.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of karma to this, right? And I think we yeah. said, like, hey, look, you know, even if it's only one game, at least it's the biggest game that they're going to play. Uh, and announced attendance of two. Three. I don't know exactly who those 200 people are. If It's like family members or whatever. But there were 200 people there, so it wasn't a complete empty stadium. But again, to your point, Albania gets a big win. And again, uh this jumps albania ahead of poland by a point uh for that second spot uh i should say they stay ahead of poland by a point uh but again this was a result where poland would have goes well P- poland would have said hey look we're gonna go around san marino at home um by the way england albania poland all beat san marino five nothing at home so there's a consistency there uh, <laughs> but and then poland goes well you know maybe albanian hungry tie or maybe hungary gets the win and we move in the second but no albania stays strong and again tuesday albania hosts poland and, again, that's going to be about as big a game as we're going to see in this group. England is obviously still going to uh, almost surely qualify direct with the group. Uh, that won't be a problem. But, again, Albania, a, a team that has been to one Euros in its history, no World Cups uh, against a, a team like Poland, who is, of course, the, the, the you know uh, a good second-tier European team that always makes a little noise. Albania is one result away from really putting themselves in, in, in very good position uh, to, to, to make the World Cup. And, and you wouldn't have said that, you know, uh, if Albania can beat Poland, then all they would have to do is beat right home, and they would be in second place minimally. So there's your uh, there's your big one for the for this next round of games. Uh, as as I guess a bit of a preview.
0: Yep, there you have it. Uh, and again, we cannot emphasize enough. Uh, fuck Hungary. Fuck those fans. Fuck racism. You got your just dessert in some way, shape, or form. Obviously, this is nothing when compared to uh, the right. overall picture of uh, racism coming out of Hungary. Well, but the, again, um, but... the only
1: thing you, but the only thing you can do is, is shut a stadium and have a team lose a game that they. And if, yep. if you're a hungry fan and you see that your team is now going to be eliminated because you lost a home game against Albania, maybe next time you won't fucking be racist.
0: Yeah, and of course, th- th- then you have to dive a little bit deeper into that and say to yourself, "Hmm, so they you know the incentive for Hungarian fans not to be racist is because they don't want to have a supporterless home game, not just because not not that just not that because racism it's well, is bad in and of itself, but I well, guess we're hey, not going you know, to be we're not going to convince
1: them of, we're not going to convince them that racism is bad. So the only thing yeah. we can do
0: is shame them enough into stopping at least the behavior. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, dude. And if you're the Hungarian fans, you, yeah, you just have to say it to yourself, man, we yeah we totally watch that one. Was that was that worth it? And you know, maybe to them it is. Who fucking knows, Jared? We won't get into that. Uh, but but yeah, let's uh, go to the last group here, Group J. Uh, Germany kind of asserting demand in the, uh, their command of this group. Uh, Germany two, Romania one, um, Iceland and Armenia draw at ones. Uh, Liechtenstein nil. North Macedonia four uh, to round out that group. Uh, Jared, what to say about Group J?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, this has been a fascinating group. Germany had the early hiccup, obviously, against North Macedonia, and then obviously very quickly right into ship. Um, I should quickly say, for the last time in Europe in this match day, uh, we have a teardrops uh, mm. in, on my guitar for Liechtenstein, That lost to North mm. Macedonia did eliminate them. Um, mm. and, and I think the big thing is, I think, again, before this group, and we've said this a couple times, you would have thought it'd be Armenia, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Romania and Iceland fighting for that second spot. And Right now, it's still North, North Macedonia and Armenia. Uh, you know again uh, a couple big results there I think the Armenia results not terrible um, it's uh, you know it's not ideal but you take what you can get um, with the draw against a team that maybe you, you should beat but I don't know if, I don't yeah. know if Army also should especially, beat, it's a way it's a
0: way for, right real quick on Armenia like it's like how are they uh, in third right now like they're tied or they're tied for second they've got negative two goal differential here
1: Yeah, I mean, again, they've done enough, right? They beat Romania at home. They beat Iceland at home. Even a home draw against Lichtenstein, which, yeah, we talked about, I think, uh, on an earlier edition last month as being a potential dagger. And to be Mm -hmm. fair, like, they still have two home games left. They host North Macedonia in November, again, a big one. Their last game is at home against Germany, so you can't figure anything at the three points there. So now you kind of – you know, they're going to root for Iceland to beat North Macedonia. They're going to root for, uh, you know, uh, Iceland to probably even beat – Romania when they play, so you know they become big Iceland fans. They become, I guess, Liechtenstein against Romania is probably not a thing, but you know like they look, they put themselves in position. They just uh, they just added a little bit of talent with uh, Zeller Ayan from the Columbus Crew, who apparently somehow, despite being born in Argentina, is Armenian and just went over there for the first time and <laughs> had his first cap, started immediately for them. So you know maybe a uh, maybe a last little bit of influence, uh, you know, in- influence of talent from MLS get them, you know, just that one result that gets them to that second round and then. Uh, but again, I think between North Macedonia and Armenia, I think they're both kind of like it's, it sucks because I think they're both that kind of underdog Cinderella
0: story that you'd both like to see them kind of get through somehow. But obviously, one of them is going to be able to do that. Right, right. Okay. Uh, so that is going to wrap it up for UEFA qualifying. Like we said, uh, you know, one more uh, match day. Is it one or two more match days over the rest no, of just the just one. I believe it's uh, today and tomorrow. And so, I don't even think, I might even go to Wednesday, but I'm not even sure it does that. But I think it might just be today and tomorrow. All righty. And yeah, we're going to move on to a couple of confederations that have already had two match days. Uh, played, and and we'll have another one. So, uh, obviously, we'll catch up on that on Thursday. Um, But let's go to South America, Conme Bowl, um, two match days played. Uh, We had uh, looked ahead to – and, again, like you said, Jared, every common bowl match is always good, always implications, just a really fun uh, qualifying group. Um, But, yeah, Peru 2, Chile 0, which I was so pumped about, uh, just for a number of reasons. Obviously, uh, you know, one of our previous uh, interview guests, uh, Roberto, was buzzing on this one. Uh, I was loving it because Chile are just like – Truly, truly in a in a free fall here, uh, and in a really tough position. But then Peru turn around and lose one nil to Bolivia.
1: Yeah, I mean in Bolivia, I believe this was Bolivia's first win of the cycle, second win of the cycle, I should say. Um, and again, what's what's really even more amazing about this is that. Uh, I believe in the about in the 74th minute, it's a nil-nil game. Bolivia gets a red card, so now Peru for 15 minutes you figure can just throw everything at the goal, mm. try and grab that last bit, you know, last ditch winner, and they end up conceding 10 minutes later, yeah. uh, into, in the 83rd minute, and it, that's a, it's a big blow for them. And uh, we are starting to see a bit of separation here, very little bit of separation. Obviously, Brazil and Argentina is still running away with it, despite Brazil having their first. Uh, yeah, they dropped points for the first time right, uh, against Colombia um ecuador actually had a loss as well and in, in the second of the um, of the match days that we just had um they, they had a big three nothing win over bolivia but then they lose 2-1 to venezuela uh, again away but still venezuela is the team that's currently in last in the group so not great uh, argentina continues rolling along as we said uh but now we have a, a situation right we got ecuador at third on 16 uruguay at fourth on 16 colombia in fifth in the playoffs by on 15 Paraguay in sixth on twelve, and then Peru eleven and Chile ten, Bolivia nine, and Venezuela seven. So we're starting to see a little, a little bit of separation here. Um, and again, if you're Chile and Peru, you don't have a choice. You really you can't you can't even like lose again, right? Like it's at this point, you really have to get points in every game. Paraguay has a little bit more wiggle room. But I think if you're Ecuador, Uruguay, and Colombia right now, even though you you, you you've all dropped points in this window, yeah, Uruguay just got bashed by Argentina. But you're in position. You're at least a game up, if not a little bit more than that. You have a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, you still, you know, you still have home games against Venezuela or Bolivia or something like that, where you can hope to get three points, and you hope mm-hmm. that you can do just enough um, as well. So um, yeah, it, it's, again, it's still the car crash. It's still you know you know, it's it's still too early to probably make any widespread proclamations, but uh, we're getting closer.
0: Okay. All right. There you have it. And, and real quick uh, to close the loop on common bowl uh, again. Yeah. Brazil dropping points for the first time. nil nil with Colombia. Uh, and what was it like? It wasn't in an interview after the game or anything, but I think there's like a docu series being done on Neymar right now, where he's basically said that he thinks and who knows, take it with a grain of salt, you know, maybe a guy's being emotional or, or just like overreacting to something. But Neymar kind of saying that there's just way too much pressure, man. Uh, and and this might be my last world cup. Yeah. Look, I mean,
1: here's a guy who is obviously one of the world's best has been successful, uh, has done a lot of great things and, and his own fans, like they don't like him that much. Like, right. Yeah. He gets a lot of shit from Brazilian fans and, and like, I understand that that's not, you know, it's not, look, it's not the only place in the world where, where this happens, but he gets a lot of shit and I don't like the dude and whatever to me, it's like, all right, you get shit, like whatever, like, that's your problem. You make up mm-hmm. a bajillion dollars a year, like deal. But at the same time, I don't have it. We talked about, you know, what motivates a player to play or not play for their national team. Right. The other day. And you know what, if I'm just going to fucking fly halfway around the world four or five times a year to be in the hardest fucking qualifying group for a world cup in the world and I'm going to go back to my country and I'm just going to fucking get shit from the fans. Like, who
0: needs that shit? Like, who? <laughs> oh yeah, God. no, I, like, and I completely agree with that. And, and I'll give a little hat tip to, you know, Renato, our Brazilian uh, guest from, from a couple of months ago at this point, um, who, who has, you know, made it very clear and he's described really well, you know, over the years just to, to, to really allow you to, to appreciate and conceptualize, like, the weight of the shirt. And, like, the, the Brazilian, ocelesau, like, that shirt, weighs heavier than pretty much any shirt in the world right and 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 if that's not enough it's like even like you said to your point even your own fans like don't like you or they they'll be negative towards you or even boo you or whatever so now you have the heaviest shirt in the world plus the lack of support from your own supporters and like you almost don't blame them it's like why the fuck would i put up with this
1: yeah and again like especially when you look at brazil and how many guys they've had in the last 10 or 15 years That have been, you know, like kind of those like white hot, like, you know, quick in and quick out. The Pato's, the Rubinho's, the Catinos. even though he still shows up for Brazil when he gets called in or whatever. Like here are guys that have all the talent in the world who at various times have done it for the country, but haven't had any near anywhere near the level of consistency. And, and positive performance. Like, as much as, again, I don't like the guy, when has Neymar been absolutely terrible for Brazil? I can't remember it's happened. Right, like, right? He's, right? He's been good in the World Cup. He's been good in the Copa Americas. He's been good in qualifying. He's done what he's needed to do. And for those guys, for him to get more shit than a Coutinho or for a Rubinho or a Pato yeah. back in the day or a Hulk, or, a, like, you can, like, you to go back 15 years to Adriano when he loses it after his father passes away. Like, there's all these guys that have just burnt out for Brazil. And here's a guy who's not, And and their own fans might be driving him into, like, an early retirement and you know and but i think if he does it to be fair if if i'm guessing it might be like the messy thing right remember after the copa america yeah 15 or 16 where he's like i can't do this anymore but then you get away from it for eight months 10 months you missed a couple windows maybe you missed the copa america and you go hey wait a minute i kind of missed this um so we'll kind of have to see where that goes. But, again, it wouldn't surprise me because, again, the guy does everything he can for his country, loves playing for his country, will do anything, right? Wanted to win an Olympic gold medal for his country more than anything. Mm. Just throughout the time, it's, it's, it, he's wanted it. And, and if he wants to step away, he doesn't feel like taking the abuse anymore, then good on him yeah fair play um all
0: right so that's your Conme bowl. uh let's go to africa uh yeah two rounds of games here as well um let's really just highlight a couple of games here jared uh, probably the big one uh if you want to talk about you know the big countries in africa and and these groups really should facilitate those top teams uh getting through but a uh, couple hitting a, a stumbling block including uh, nigeria nigeria nil central african republic 2 what the fuck yeah that was a uh, that was
1: the first of the two games um uh, and that was in Nigeria, right? They, they lose at home on a winner in the away. They do go back a couple days later and get a result back. They, they have to win back, and, and that probably makes it okay for them. They're still up two points with two games to go, um, and they still host the team that's in second in the group, which is Cabo Verde. Uh, if they get a win at home against them, then it's pretty much all but salted away at this point. So it's it's not going to kill them. Uh, as it turns out, I think they've done enough in the rest of their games to, to avoid it. But again, like until they
0: had that. But just like win, in right? and of itself, it's a in of itself. result. Yeah.
1: It's, a, it's a bad result. And again, it's it, it, um, it's against a team that was probably, I think, probably pegged to finish last in this group. Uh, and so for them to get that win, it's a, you know, Central African Republic will not qualify for the World Cup. But it's a it's a famous victory, as as the pundits like to say it for them. Um, so, yeah, it's an it's an interesting one.
0: Yep, and then the second result that I had just from my quick glance over is Tunisia-nil, Mauritania-nil. I don't know if you could make anything of that or had any other games on your radar, Jared.
1: No, there wasn't too much on the radar other than that. Um, again, it's one of those things. It's, it's a bizarre result, certainly. Uh, it's not, uh, they're not two teams that you would expect to be you know, at, at all um, uh, like that. And by the way, this is Mauritania's uh, first and only point uh, of so far of qualifying, at least mm. for Tunisia's sake. This was a road game. But again, Tunisia is still three points up with two to go. They still have um, – they have to go to Equatorial Guinea. to get a win there. that will make it to the third round easily. They still have been giving up a goal as well. Uh, and by the way, as it happens, the draw – again, you talk about famous victories. Like Mauritania gets a, a home draw against uh, Tunisia, World Cup you know, team Tunisia. But yet it actually does eliminate them from World Cup contention. Uh, which will African segue perfectly drops. into some African teardrops yeah. on my yeah, guitar. Right. Let's four hear it. Te- Four teams. Uh, Kenya – is, has been eliminated Liberia in that group, actually with Nigeria and the central African Republic has been eliminated. And also Rwanda has been eliminated, um, Kenya and Rwanda, both in group E, it should be said, uh, well behind Uganda and Mali who are going to fight for that, uh, top spot. Uh, so again, four teams, um, for now, there will be a couple more probably in the next day or so, uh, a couple days as they finish up the fourth games of qualifying, um, With some big ones and here. But yes, um four African teams that will not be making uh
0: making the trek
1: to the Middle East.
0: All right, pour one out for them. All right, let's keep moving on here. Obviously, saving the best for last. Uh, we we got to pop off on some of those USA games in uh, in CONCACAF, uh, but of course, we would be remiss not to mention Asia. Uh, and just one round, and obviously, the Korea Syria game happened like you know before we did uh, the last pod. So I don't think there's really too much to say here, Jared. Maybe the big result: Saudi Arabia one nil over Japan.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about that as being the game to kind of watch. Saudi Arabia defends its home turf. And, and if we look at it, before we get to that, just real quick in Group A, um, again, top two qualify direct, and the third-place team goes to a playoff. And this has been a game with a ton of draws, uh, the entire group, really. And so, you know, I, Iran has nine points, and South Korea has seven. And then pretty much the UAE, Lebanon, and Iraq all have two points tied for that third spot. So I think we're, we might see in Group A a pretty early uh, runaway where mm. Iran and South Korea qualified pretty early. Um, and, and, uh, and the rest of the teams are going to fight it out for that, that playoff spot, uh, as you said, in Group B with that big Saudi win over Japan. Uh, China and Australia hold serve at home, as you would expect them to. Australia and Saudi Arabia are uh, both on nine points. And again, top two make it. Third goes to the playoff. So oh, they're wow. looking really good right now. And Japan sitting in a tie for third, like the other group, right, on three points with Oman and China. And so again, Japan has really made a mess of this. A one and two start with two, uh, I'm sorry, with one home match that they lost. Uh, Again, they've been on the road for a couple games and and, and gotten a win and a a loss here. But they're, you know, they host Australia in a couple days time, and that's a really fucking big game early on, right? It's a home match, and Japan is, you know, probably I would say the favorite over over Australia at home. But this is a a point where you, 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 normally, you can say, okay, if we draw Australia at home, not the end of the world, whatever. We'll get our wins elsewhere. But you've already screwed that up, so now you kind of need to beat Australia at home. And if Australia can somehow pick a result on the on the road, hey, it pretty much will they'll tell us that they're going to qualify no matter what. But it'll also really say Japan has a has a major fucking problem.
0: Yeah, and to your I, point, Jared, we that's we used to see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. 100%. And what I'm looking forward to, I, I have, uh, I, I have an inkling that we might see, uh, you know, towards the end, to your point, you know, a couple of teams that are qualifying really early, and then putting out, you know, B-side, C-sides, Mickey Mouse teams against, you know, the Lebanons and the Oman's of the world, you know, who need those results. And, you, you know, if you are a Japan or something like that, and you need those teams to lose, and then they're playing like Australia C-team or whatever, you know, you're kind of like, ah, oh, fuck, that sucks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the good news for Japan is they, their games, their second games against Saudi Arabia and uh, Australia are both pretty late. So if that were to be the case, uh, oh, they'd they be the, benefit- the beneficiaries they, they, of theory, it. Yeah. In theory, they could be. Uh, but, you know, look, their last their last game of the window is a home game against Vietnam in, in March of 2022. And it's looking very, very more and more likely that instead of being in a situation where they might be the ones resting their guys, that that might be a must win situation. Um, you know, especially as as Saudi Arabia actually plays Australia in that last game as well. And what if it's one of those situations where the Saudis and Australians just need a draw, right? Now we're watching one of these nil-nils that, like, you know, are, are, you know, that are almost match-fixy almost, right? Mm. Uh, And because both teams just need the draw and then they go to the World Cup. So, again, Japan's put themselves in a world of hurt and they really need the the win, not just the draw, the win against
0: Australia uh, to round up this window. All righty. and that'll do it for Asia. Uh, everyone's favorite, saving the best for last. Conca uh, Kathy, let's get Conca Kathy here, Jared. Um, we'll obviously talk about the USA's two games, um, but yeah, the rest of of uh, the Confederation, couple of highlights. Uh, Costa Rica continues their decline, which again, when you keep trotting out the same geriatrics uh, game after game, that's really coming to no surprise whatsoever. Uh, and yeah, Canada uh, with the crucial away point against Mexico, still really hard to play in Azteca. Uh, so, you know, clap them up. I agree with you, Jared. I think, you know, we've talked offline about Canada. I think they are for real, uh, although uh, they then just turn around and draw with Jamaica, LOL
1: yeah, it's, it's right and again, like we, this is now especially even with the eight teams, even more than the hex, right? This is a very much a, a economy Bowl type car crash. Um, I look, you, the the thing has always been they always say you, know, you win your home games, you draw on the road, and you uh, you qualify for the World Cup, right. And so Canada, they get a draw that maybe they wouldn't have expected against Mexico, and then they get a draw that maybe they wouldn't have expected the other way against Jamaica. But I think that if you tell Canada before two straight road games you get two points, you probably take it, and you just say, hey, look, we'll get two points out of a couple of road games. We come home against Panama, and if, we're, and, if we, and again, if we're competing with Panama for that spot, we got to beat them at home, and that's the, the end of it all. So if Canada gets through a window with two road games, including Mexico away with five points, I think they'll be okay. Uh, obviously Jamaica would have needed a win there too. They still haven't gotten off the mark and and obviously have fallen quite far behind. So I I think if you're Canada, you still gotta, you still gotta be okay with it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm still feeling okay if I'm them uh, for sure. And just to give the traveling supporters some context uh, here is the table, Mexico in first with 11 points, uh, the USA and Panama tied for second on eight. Uh, Canada is in fourth with seven, Costa Rica, six, El Salvador, five, uh, Honduras, three, and Jamaica, Two, uh, and right, and speaking of the U.S., uh, two big fixtures here. Uh, One great result, one pretty bad result, uh, if you're asking me. Um, But let's start with that Jamaica 2-0 win. Um, definitely should have been more goals, I think, uh, and definitely uh, more red cards, for fuck's sake. Uh, for the listeners who didn't watch this game, all you need to do is pull up. Uh, you don't even need the highlights. Just watch the first 20 seconds of the game. Uh, this referee was just completely out of his depth. He missed not one but two, uh, you know, denial of goal-scoring opportunities. This first one in the 20 seconds on Ariola, literally on like a breakaway, and I don't even want to hear the argument about like he wasn't the last man or it wasn't a goal-scoring opportunity. Like, it was. It was a red card card um and then the other the 34th minute tackle on aronson which was like called a foul the referee was right there and it was the last man back but you know just only a yellow i guess (laughs) so jared let's start there
1: yeah i mean so so i out of your depth that comment is good and again i don't want to blame the ref for this because this is a ref who should not be refing at this level and that's not his fault
0: Right, this was his first World Cup qualifier. Like, what did the the commentator said? He's had like he has three games at the international level under his belt, and they were like early stage nation league games between Barbuda and Bermuda or some shit.
1: Yeah, so that's not that is not his fault. Now he made two very bad calls, and to a point, that is his fault, right? Obviously, despite Mm -hmm. whatever level you're at, last man is last man. Uh, I don't care if it's 20 seconds in or, you know, I like red cards ruin the game, right? We hear this shit all the time. Oh, how could they give a guy a red card? It ruins the game. You know what? There are certain times you you can't even argue. It is what it is. And so uh, it's bad. And I think obviously if if the U.S. plays 90 minutes of 11 on 10, uh, I'm sure they probably win this game even more comfortably. It was a comfortable win. Uh, but yeah, it just speaks to a to a broader like I'm so over Cap right now, and, and, oh, and yeah, I even said with this. You. I said this on the on our chat, our group chat, the other night during the Jamaica game. I think it was after the second quote unquote red card offense, right? That didn't happen, and I said, "Yeah, I would rather be in like a winner take all group with like Brazil, Italy, and France that keep dealing with this shit because like <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous and it's so bad, and like I don't understand how a confederation that is making all sorts of like tv deals new tv deals they just started nations league which pours more money in they signed a deal with cutter airways and then have them join the fucking gold cup so they can get a big ass payday and yet you can't you can tell me that they can't fucking train a referee properly like if this guy they the can't best outfit the stadiums in, the league, in var by the way five, like, like i, I get an infrastructure you know it's
0: states. like yeah it's like infrastructure issues or whatever okay then build a scaffold and like for for the game or whatever you have the money to do that It's five stadiums right now, right? The U.S.,
1: Mexico, and Canada have VAR capabilities. We know this. We watch the CONCACAF Champions League and the Mexican League and MOS. Those three stadiums have it. So you're telling me at most, Jamaica, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, um, and whoever I'm missing, uh, Costa Rica, don't have it. If that's the case. if all five of them, don't. All five of those teams play every single one of their home games in the same stadium. And we can go by, we can go down and list all five. You know, whether it's Ramo Fernandez, in Panama City, whether it's the stadium in San Jose now, the new stadium in San Jose, Cusco in El Salvador. They all play in the same place. You need to put it in one stadium. And you can't tell me with all the millions of dollars you keep making that you can't, knowing that these eight teams are the teams that are going to continue, right? These are the eight yeah. teams that, and there might be a couple more, but by and large, I think the eight teams that are can continue to be in World Cup qualifying and, and, and play Nations League and all this stuff that you want to take seriously. And so you have to be able to put money into that five stadiums you have to be able to have the money to take a referee from granada and bring him up to the u.s for two a year if you have to and fucking make him a legitimate referee and so he doesn't come in over this stage like shitting his pants nervous and like this is just things that you if you want to be taken seriously this is what you have to do and this isn't like a a sour grapes u.s thing this is a fundamental like thing of football mexico fans were upset in the county game they thought she got a penalty weight. i don't agree but be that as it may there's no bar there that's Mexico and Canada. Those fucking stadiums have bar. Like, you know, so why should Mexico and Canada have to sit? Or Mexico fans have to sit after a game and go, "Well, we were just screwed out at two points." So if you if you want to make it non-U.S. centric for a second, it, it's it baffles me. And you know, it's hard enough to play in Concacaf with all the shit that you have to deal with. And
0: we can talk about more of the Concacaf shenanigans from last night against Panama. But
1: I mean, it's well, ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and and just to like sum up the the Concacaf thing, you know what it reminded me of and, and basically how i feel watching every single one of these games and the refereeing quality and getting conca capped all that stuff do you remember that nike commercial years ago with like eric Cantona? And the world's best eleven, they were playing against like demons from hell, right? Yeah. And 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 the yeah, these like devil demons are they're like literally just crushing the players, but the refs are just like waving play on. The linesmen are literally blind, like they, he's like arguing with the blind uh, uh, ar and shit. Like that's how I feel in Concacaf that we're like we're just going up against. These these demons in the commercial and the referees are like from that place, you know. It what like we get a Mexican referee, you know, uh, every other game or whatever, and you just feel like it's stacked against you. And and yeah, it's just Concacaf. I don't know what else to say. It just reminded me of that commercial.
1: And just to add to the Concacaf again when we talk about the other Concacaf stuff. I thought you know again in the U.S. could have played. We'll talk more about this, but
0: the U.S. could have played
1: forever against Panama last night and probably never scored. But you have like right, the right. ball boys throwing extra balls on the field. Oh, you have God. fucking multiple pitch invaders at the same time, yeah. and then. By by the way, to talk about Concacaf refereeing, right? Here are seven minutes of stoppage time, and in that seven minutes, you have two field, uh, two guys run on the field. Yep. You have like a Panama injury or two. You have three balls being thrown on the field. There was like two or three drop balls during stoppage time, and he blows the whistle at six minutes and fifty eight seconds. Now again, yep. that thing could have gone twelve minutes, fifteen minutes. It's not an excuse for the U.S., but I'm just saying it's like what, like how, how, like on what, what plane of existence? If you're the referee, and again, this is a Mexican referee. This is a guy from Granada, right? How on earth do you like look at everything that's happened there and and the time wasting and everything else that goes along with it and get to the idea where you go, okay, I'll even blow it early. And again, it's just, it's a problem that we see over and over
0: again. And so it's not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's insane. Well, to close the loop on the Jamaica game, uh, and speaking of that Nike commercial, right. Of course they uh, eventually do turn it around uh, and uh, Pepe, Ricardo Pepe does his best Eric Cantona impression flips up the collar Avoir and just literally blast one through like the bat demon in goal uh his first goal uh and i do have to give a shout out to uh you know an alexi lawless Jul- julie foudy bad commentary moment because i think i've also made it very clear uh how much i hate taylor twelman uh Twentman, um, where um he's literally screaming into the microphone after Pepe's first goal where can i hurt you where yeah. can i kill you like he, he's literally talking about murder on a live stream USA game, uh, so yeah, good job Twelman, you're killing it, man. Uh, and then obviously Pepe with the second one as well. Uh, we are all yeah on the Pepe train, choo choo. Yeah, it's pretty heavy at this point.
1: I think even Berhalter in his post game literally said we're on the Pepe train. So I think uh, <laughs> you know he's got the support. He's like, obviously he looks really good. Um, you know, and again, at the end of the day, you got to you got to score goals. the uh, The only problem is that the uh, the comparison for his his early World Cup qualifier performance is only matched by Eddie Johnson, who had, of course, a very inconsistent career. So hopefully, mm. that doesn't happen uh, to Pepe. But yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 a comfortable win at home against Jamaica. It's what should happen. And even on that night, right? If we just look at the match day four, we've talked about the entire table as it stands now, but get a bunch of results that were great for the U.S. Honduras drawing Costa Rica, you nil-nil. Know, Mexico, Canada, as we talked about, one-one. El Salvador getting a one-nothing win at home against Panama, which was fine as well. Um, so again, that that night, great night for the U.S. And
0: then, of course, last night, uh, just just yeah, not, not so opposite. much. <laughs> yeah, uh, USA nil, Panama one, uh, and literally the only two notes that I have for this game. Uh, first, uh, lol at the Panamanian subs. Uh, for not putting on their pennies before kickoff, you know how they always like do like a uh, a video scan of the bench like right before kickoff's about to go, and you literally had like three or four guys like sniffing the pennies and being like, oh, like they, they had like a bitter beer face on. They're like, oh my god, this is disgusting. So that gave me like a nice little laugh, uh, especially because I had a nice little edible for that one, uh, and I'm just like laughing my ass off at that. Uh, I was not laughing for long because then my other uh, n- only other note on this game was just Zardis, goddamn it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know you're not his biggest fan um, But I, you know what, I did say on this podcast That at some point Zardes was going to be called into World Cup qualifying and score an important goal And I was 100% correct Even though, by the way, they did give the goal to Godoy And not no goal um, no, yeah. They didn't? So, really?
0: It's like clear yeah. as day
1: So well, I guess what they said is Godoy Kind of touched the <laughs> header before uh, Zardes didn't thus it was going on frame But oh, uh, I, I mean, obviously a, a distinction without a difference or whatever um, But yeah, it is a tough one, and, and I've, you know, I've absorbed a lot of content since this game ended, and I don't really know how I feel. Berhalter is obviously getting slammed, uh, and maybe rightfully so. I'm not 100% sure because I don't know what the answer. We, we've for what? For the lineup? For the For the everything. Tactics, for I mean, suck, just for everything, everything, right? So here's my thing, right? We have talked at length not only about CONCACAF, but in all these windows, three-game windows. What does it mean? What do you have to do? We look at Jamaica against us, and they, they don't even start a bunch of guys because they accept the L. And, and Burhalter made a calculation that he could get away with rotating the lineup and getting a result in Panama. And, and it failed. And that's fair. But I don't begrudge that decision per se. Um, I don't know that I begrudge many of the lineup choices. I think there were a couple that I, I might have quibbled with a little bit. But when I saw the lineup, I wasn't as angry as some other people were. I thought, okay, if you're going to rotate people, this is kind of what you have – this is what you're left with. So it's what you kind of have to put out there. Mm. I, I, just, I just think the, I, the midfield was so atrocious last night. And at the end of the day, like if you, it, whatever you want to say about the lineup, I don't think the midfield was the problem that people had before the game. Right. No one was arguing that Musa should have started. Nobody was arguing with, with Acosta, if you're going to sit Adams after the gold cup this summer. And what jet is usually shown up in these type of games and all three of them were uh, Musa, less, but all three of them were pretty bad. And when you have no midfield. That means you have no attack, right? Wake, I could never even get on the ball. And if we get the ball away all night, I think we'd probably get a couple goals because he's so dangerous. He never even sniffed the ball. And, you know, whatever you want to say about Zardes, he never sniffed the ball. That's not his fault. Um, and Ariola did what he could for 45 minutes and was done. And, and I, the defense was fine. Not great. Uh, I thought they were bad in, in possession, but they defended well, right? The goal's off a set piece. Um, and then people got on him for the subs. And at the same time, like, he only has five, and more than five guys needed it. And so, like, I don't, know what his, I don't know what he was supposed to do once the players started playing that poorly. Um, and, and uh, look, there's a lot of guys not healthy right now. There's some guys that don't have the minutes, even Aaronson, right? Aaronson set up the Jamaica game because he could barely move his legs. He, were, he was jelly. Mm. So, you can't start Aaronson. You can't start this guy. You can't start that guy. You can't start that guy. So, he starts who he thinks he can get away with. Zimmerman, by the end of the game, for all the people that say just start the same guys, Zimmerman at center back, which is not the most running position ever, could barely walk for the last 10, 15 minutes of the game. Yeah. He's sitting up at center forward, like not even jumping for headers. He can't move. And he's a guy who played 180 minutes. So, what are you going to do? Start nine guys for 180 minutes and hope they didn't die after 90 minutes in Austin? In that heat, ninety minutes in Panama. In that heat is unrealistic. Well, it's so just hilarious, right?
0: Because this was this is like the exact opposite of the argument that people took with like you know Bruce Arena and last cycle and playing the same guys over and over. And I know it's kind of apples and oranges and kind of just you know it, there's a bunch of differences there. But it's just hilarious to me that like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. You know, yeah, you start all the same guys that you know, like then we lose that game too, and, and we get crucified. You know, burhalter gets crucified for that. I, right. To me, Jared, it just it seems like it's just one of those you know uh, just because it didn't work out it's you know the worst decision of all time if he puts out that lineup which by the way like before the game i was pretty good with and i thought that that would have been a serviceable enough group you know to get a result away from home in a tough environment i definitely thought it was and and i thought it was a good decision now now, if you want to view it through the lens of like consequentialist ethics and like literally the only thing matters is the outcome of it then yeah i guess so or whatever but the, the bottom line for me is, as a coach, you have to make those tough decisions, and I don't think you necessarily should be judged on the outcome. Like the outcome does matter, but it's not the only thing, and there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it. So, uh, and again,
1: and, and again, the best players on our team, or the guys who should have been the best last night, or the guys who are most experienced, even, were among the worst players on it. Like Acosta was shockingly right. bad, and he was amazing all summer, right? You can't argue that Acosta yep. should have started the game. He was very bad. What Jet has done this over and over against teams like Panama. He didn't do it last night. And again, Panama's guys, For like you can say, oh, these are our backups. We need to start the best guys. Look, are the guys – and if you look at I – mean, look, I know club team is a fallacy in terms of like what makes you good or not, but you're going to tell me that the team that we put out there last night, still with guys that play at will, still with guys that started Valencia, and guys that play in Belgium, and guys that play here, there, and everywhere, right, are not good enough to beat guys who play in – the Panamanian league who play in again, who also play in Belgium, who also play in, you know, even in the second division of Spain or whatever, like, the, like, look, Panama's not starting a bunch of guys on champions league teams, right? Their captain. Godoy is a score plays for Nashville. So does Walker Zimmerman. Fine. Like their club teammates they are going against each other. Yeah. You know, the other center back for fucking, um, for Panama's Fidel Escobar, who literally couldn't get off the bench at the New York Red Bulls, is now in, in, in the second La Liga. Like, are you like, this is like, these guys are so fucking good that you can't beat them with your second string? No, you have
0: to be better. And I don't think no, that's I, on Greg. And, and that's to my point, which yeah. is that, you know, he starts a B minus team in the Gold Cup right and 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 he wins the whole thing and everyone's like oh yeah greg nailed it the tactics were spot on man you know he put the right guys out there and we won the whole tournament and then what do we do we put out a b minus team in this game and it doesn't work out and now everyone fucking creams him for it and i'm just like you can't have it both ways man like you just as a manager again you just have to make those really tough decisions sometimes they work out sometimes they don't dude i i, I don't know i think people kind of need to shut the fuck up a little bit about that and especially and and, way, and, and, and i said go ahead go ahead no, I was just going to say, I guess the real test is
1: really on Wednesday, right? Because he's assuming, I assume at this point, he is now starting as many of the 11 guys from the Jamaica game as he can because a lot of them have been rested. So now if you go out there and you whoop Costa Rica, the ends probably justify the means. If the same 11 guys go out there and lose, then I guess you have a bigger question. But again, if he starts the same 11 guys as Jamaica, you can't argue with the process because those 11 guys were fine the other day. So yeah, I I think we're. I'm actually surprised. I wasn't sure we were going to be in agreement on this, but apparently we are.
0: Well, yeah, there you have it. Um, Yeah, obviously, big, big showdown uh, Wednesday night. Uh, We will uh, most definitely be tuned in. Uh, I've got practice that night, so I'll be watching on tape delay. But, um, yeah, Jared, is that about it for CONCACAF in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, I would just say, I guess, Costa Rica finally got a win at home. They went down 1-0 until Salvador got two back with the old boys doing it. Borges and uh, Ruiz getting goals. (laughs) And, uh, by the way, if you can find a clip of it, in stoppage time of this game, Kaylor Navas did what Kaylor Navas done just made an absolutely ridiculous save mm. uh, top ball going top corner uh, got his fingertips to it knocked it out for a corner saves him, uh, saved, saved him two points there and I will say that even though I think we're we are better than Costa Rica at this point I think this team especially in their third game is going to be struck the fact that he that Kaylor Navas exists just scares the shit out of me because he's literally he can just steal games by himself
0: and and he started so many times Yeah. Proving why he's uh, the number one at PSG over Donnarumma for some reason, which is hilarious. Hey,
1: they they split split minutes. I don't know how that's going to work in the long run, but I guess for right now it does well enough.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, Anyways, uh, that'll do it for our the road to Doha and uh, yeah, running a bit over time. uh, Thank you, Jared, for your time and and to the uh, traveling supporters for listening. Uh, One more segment here, the uh, infamous at this point own goal of the day uh and jared i would prefer if you uh were to go first but i'd first like to ask your permission and consent for that oh yeah no i will i will grant you is that okay with you i will will, in this case grant you consent so you can do
1: whatever you want to me
0: Um, okay great
1: all right I, I might just an overall, like, soccer Twitter, like, own goal. And, like, this is not a new thing, certainly. But I saw a tweet the other day that it really just made me roll my eyes and, and made me think of this. And and this is not just confined to one thing. I mean, if you look at U.S. men's national team Twitter, God, it's like a hellscape. Uh, England soccer Twitter is not much better. And uh, I just will the be – we beat Andorra, and now Phil Foden's like, the greatest thing ever. they are overreactions to things. But uh, one of the ones that I really want to talk about is the, the Messi-Ronaldo Twitter debate. And, and especially on Twitter, right? And again, we, we know these are two of the greatest players ever, and we know that we, is that and tread lightly here, Jared.
0: You know, we are not a Messi versus Ronaldo pod. No, we are
1: not. But we, we know that we can, that, like my, that people can argue very intelligently about who's better. You can say, and forgetting the stat part of it for a second, right? You can just say, hey, look, I need a free kick right now. I'm taking Messi. A penalty, I'm taking Ronaldo. Uh, a header, I'm taking Ronaldo. Uh, a dribble from 40 yards, I'm taking Messi. A dive to win a penalty that I don't deserve, definitely Ronaldo. Like, we can argue these things, right? I saw a tweet the other day though, that, was, that was from ESPN, like, stats and info, right? It was like an official, like, stat thing. And talk about how Ronaldo had scored a goal against Qatar in their friendly and how Ronaldo has scored a goal against 46 countries, which is, by the way, remarkable, right? That's like one in five national teams he has scored yeah. a goal against. That's fantastic. And that's that on his own. Perfect. That is a good tweet. You can stop it right there. Hey, Ronaldo scored against like 20% of all national teams on the planet. Great. And then it says underneath, we know Messi has scored against 29 teams in the like on the like national teams. So now mm. you're just, you put a tweet out there just to now, so you can have like fanboys, right? Just fucking yell at each other for the next like five hours. Yep. And like, and what, what really bothers me about this coming from like an official thing is it is so disingenuous just based on the, like the, the nature of international soccer. And like, whoever's typing this has to know that, right? Like there's no way that the person who's, who's being tasked with writing these tweets and writing specific things. And by the way, the tweet, even though it was on the English feed, wasn't Spanish. So yeah, now you know well, the person who's writing it yeah. knows knows Spanish and knows soccer and everything else, and like you're just throwing a false equivalency up there. Like, okay, let's t- see how long it takes to refute the idea that let's see. Well, Messi plays the same nine fucking teams all the time in World Cup qualifying in Copa America, whereas mm. Ronaldo has played fifty teams just in World Cup qualifying, like, and all that shit. So uh, just a general, and then of course everyone goes in the mention uh, Messi's better and all. Like, and like I, I, I guess that's my own fault for reading it. Like, that's I should give myself an own goal for like even like knowing what's about to happen, <laughs> looking at it anyway. But I mean, just like, look, like, and I, I'm not, I'm not even going to say, can't we all just like say that Messi and Ronaldo are both great and Never, No, like fucking have the argument. I'm fine with that. I'll argue somebody for an hour as to who I think is better. But can we at least have like a legitimate argument about it and like actually argue the merit of both of them instead of just cherry picking whichever stat makes like my guy look better?
0: Yeah, I'm with you, Jared. I, I will give a little bit of an own goal to, to you on that uh, Twitter usage and, and the people who get caught up in those, in those Twitter arguments. It's kind of like you just, you're just never going to win, dude. But anyways, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to go with my own goal of the day. Speaking of one of those uh, particular players, um, you may have seen the news uh, out of Nevada, actually, and we have alluded to it uh, a couple of times on this pod, uh, but the Ronaldo rape case Uh, from many years ago when he was in the U.S. And uh, as we've said, uh, he refuses to come to the United States for fear of like literally getting arrested uh, on the spot. Although it looks like that will not be an issue anymore um, because Catherine Mayorga, the accuser, um, her lawyers uh, apparently uh, improperly collected evidence. I think it was like, you know, based on leaks and, you know, kind of like, quote unquote, stolen or whatever uh, text messages and emails and that type of thing. Um, and a Nevada judge has officially said uh, that he, uh, he has suggested um, that the case be dismissed. And so that means it probably will be dismissed. Um, And yeah, basically, uh, Ronaldo did it, uh, but he's going to get off on a procedural technicality. So uh, that's my own goal of the day. Yeah, not ideal. But, um, you know, it's tough, right? Because you don't want
1: people, and I'm not talking about this case specifically or not, but you don't want people who didn't do it to be thrown in jail for something they didn't do and you don't want the lawyers despite the fact that we want to believe the woman and we want to you know make sure that's taken seriously you can't have the lawyers fucking doing shit they're not supposed to do and I I agree
0: to to uphold the integrity of the judicial process and and that's what's so fresh
1: and that's what's so frustrating because you know it's it's a situation where it seems like it seems again like holding like couch it it allegedly seems seems it seems like there's a very good case to be made and to not have your case seen properly because you fuck up yourself is, is just, it's so bad. Like it's so inexcusable.
0: Yep. Own goal of the day for sure. Um, and yeah, that's going to uh, do it for the segments. We're going to wrap it up here uh, with stoppage time winners. Uh, and Jared, I am not going to ask for your consent on this one. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and go first on the stoppage time winners. Uh, and I've kind of got, uh, got a double dip here. So yeah, again, my podcast our podcast, My and Our Rules. Um, yeah, so uh, Real Salt Lake Academy product, Axel Kai. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this, Jared. I'm sure you did as an MLS stand, um, Becomes the youngest ever, not just soccer player, um, but the youngest ever athlete in all of American sports to make his professional debut. Uh, yes, even younger than Freddie Adu. Um, Alex, Axel Kai came on uh, in the second half for Real Salt Lake's uh, reserve side on Friday night. Uh, Jared, what were you doing when you were 13 years, nine months, and nine days old?
1: Let's see, that would be uh, like what, September of 1998? I guess we were starting seventh grade, right? Uh, yeah, play, uh, playing guess, a lot I, of golden. Yeah, eye. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, we were playing for the uh, the Mountain View Middle School soccer team uh, as teammates. Yeah. I believe at that, or uh, <laughs> right. moment in <laughs> time. So at that time, maybe I don't know. Maybe scoring a game-winning goal in a uh, in a regular season match would be the best I could have accomplished during that fall. Uh, certainly not a uh, an MOS reserve side though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We actually, Jared, didn't you? I think you did score like a game-winning goal in one of our middle school games. Yeah, no, was I, like, actually, I did one time on a Jewish holiday too, and I to begged my dad
1: to let me go to school and play because he wanted me to stay home. And I was like, no, I want to play, and it actually worked out that night. So good on, uh, good on disrespecting Judaism.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. And uh, and also, by the way, sorry to steal your your MLS thunder here. Um, no, that's fine. But, but I'm just going to keep going with it. Uh, another story, hat tip to you, who sent this, uh, this Twitter clip out. Uh, Inter Miami, who uh, has been our own goal the day before. Uh, they apparently they got back on track you know, for the, the last couple of months, I guess, after that, that just total free fall um, at the beginning of the MLS season. Uh, but it looks like they've lost five games on the spin or something like that uh, yet again. So I'm going to uh, do a bonus uh, stoppage time winner here because uh, the, the, the clip is incredible. It's just the post game presser. Phil Neville um, legitimately calling for an investigation into the VAR call. I mean, not even, not even being like, you know, I disagree with it or like questioning the rest. He's like calling for an official like league investigation inquisition into this VAR call. Uh, again, I thought they were back on track, but I, I guess not so much. I, I mean, he was like full out, like questioning the integrity of, in, of officials in the MLS, so- not just saying, not just saying that they made a mistake. He was like, they're against us, and we've been cheated. He used the C word.
1: So here, here's the, a couple of things about this which crack me up and both make me scratch my head. The thing that crack me up is at one point during the press conference, the, the center ref in the, in the match against the Red Bulls the other night was actually a woman. And I think at some point, he actually like you could actually see the wheels turning in his head where he kind of was like um, – Oh shit, this is a woman ref. And if I don't say anything, I'm probably gonna get nailed for being like a sexist on top of it. So then he like mm-hmm. like interjects and he goes, and by the way, the center ref was fantastic. This is like the bar we're talking about, the bar the cheats, not the not the center refs, like the bar, which I thought was interesting. Um, what I find a little bizarre though is, is two things. First of all, the call that that he's angry about on Saturday night was an offside call. And again, as is whatever we think about the vagaries of the offside rule, it's a pretty cut and dry rule. And like the guy's offside or he's not, so I don't really know what your beef with that is. As for the cheating part, um, I am fairly confident. I am fairly confident that if you held a gun to Don Garber's head and said, name like three or four teams, you would love to be in the semifinals of MLS Cup this year. Inter-Miami is one of those four teams, right? Mm-hmm. With the whole Beckham thing, the Miami market, the whole deal, like how big a deal this has been, that they're coming in and they're going to be great. and They're going to sign the Higuains and, and blah, 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 right? I, I, they, they're not fucking Nashville. They're not salt Lake. They're not Colorado. They're not middle America. Like whatever, like flyover country, whatever, like teams that like, you know, theoretically would get the shaft in, in exchange for LA or New York. This is fucking Miami. And the, the Garber wants to seem to be successful more than anything in the world, but you know what the fucking team cheated last year and had extra DPs and got dinged. And like, they did that to themselves and they're losing games. And while the, the calls may be harsh, maybe they got the short end of the stick. To actually insinuate that MLS doesn't want Miami to be successful right now is is to me laughable. So I, I get the the stoppage time winner from the point of like just going like we might as well like eat the suspension, eat the fine, like full steam ahead. But I, I do think his message is a little uh, little curious to say the least.
0: Yeah, I don't know, and and right, and I kind of put it as a stoppage time winner uh, just because it's like a fun thing to add on at the end. But but I, I don't know, buddy. I'm like I'm kind of with. Neville, like he's, I, I, like he sort of endeared me to him um, a little bit, just like listening to what he was saying and you know supporting the players and being like, guys, I'm not going to send the players out right now. They, they are so devastated and they're so tired of this bullshit. Uh, and and whether it is bullshit or not, or whether they have totally repented for their sins with the the designated players and all the, the the rules that they broke and all that stuff, I don't know or whatever. But yeah, I don't know. Just seeing like a manager kind of stand up for his team and his and his players, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, uh, you know wrong or right i don't know but but just to see that is kind of uh, kind of heartwarming for me
1: well yeah I, look I, I i can agree with you on that perspective uh i would i i would encourage him to maybe find a way to do that without calling the integrity of the league into question yeah.
0: him, sure right but but, yeah that, that, that part was some bullshit <laughs> the integrity of the refs and the league uh yeah that that's oh, a bit oh, of a stretch uh anyways uh jared i will yield uh, back to you for your stop or yeah um
1: I, this is a personal note i think for both of us and, and actually a, a, you know our league one correspondent. Dr. Rodero, uh, this past weekend, celebrated his marriage uh, to his lovely now bride, Susan. Uh, We were both uh, obviously in attendance for that on Saturday night. It was actually the first time you and I were in the same place at the same time since we started this little adventure together. But uh, a call out for a friend that we have both had for over 25 years, which is amazing in so many ways that it's going to cause me to start drinking later uh, and we (laughs) can figure out my own mortality. But yeah, this is a guy that we've obviously known again for 25 years, uh, got married. Uh, We are so happy for both of them. And uh, yeah, so he is my stoppage time winner because he uh, he got the biggest goal of them all the lifetime beautiful woman beautiful bride
0: perfect companion goal. So good on absolutely no great stoppage time winner Jared and and as uh, the best man one of our best friends uh, Jeff said in the best man speech uh, was that uh, yes, he has uh, been so wrong so many times over the year which is like a fun trope for us because of course he is a philosophy professor and we've gotten in literally countless arguments uh over the years about stuff uh, but on this one he got it right uh, and love yeah yeah he, this is uh, a
1: this was a, a screamer from 40 yards upper 90 goalie no chance to win the World Cup walk off
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Jared, great stoppage time winner right there. Uh, and before we go down that path of nostalgia and start telling tons of stories about our, our 25, 30-year friendship, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just call it a day right there for the pop. So, Jared, thank you. You've been so gracious with your time. Uh, to the traveling supporters, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, no marketing, no social media. So if you were mildly entertained, please tell a friend and spread the love. Godspeed. Bye, con Dios. Cheers, y'all. Bye-bye. He's our striker. He's on fire. Ooh, hot. Hotter than Mitrovic. Scoring goals home and away. He's playing for the ticks and he's on fire. Grand taught was a catastrophe. He just wouldn't go away. Oh. And then Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Oh I said Will Grigg turned it round. Cost us one million pound. Will Grig is on fire? With Greg is on fire